Holy crap, we made it to the halfway point. Oh, we're halfway well, really, there. The end of this episode will be the halfway point because this is chapter 10. Oh, wow. And there are 20 chapters. Jorking on a <laughs> Nice. That's very exciting. Right? It's pretty crazy. So those of you that have listened all the way through, congratulations. I guess I should, again, I yeah. should say that. I'm going to say that at the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we've got... I'm, I'm really excited for this one. This is one of my favorite chapters because oh, we got a real turning point. We got big things happening, which you'll see in just a moment. The fiction energy really ramps up in this one. It gets like extra big. Yeah. Girthy. <laughs> Girthy fiction energy. I think we get our first vein, probably. So before Tim can roll with that too much, <laughs> uh, the question for this week. Yes. Uh, I was having a hard time thinking of a question. So I just Googled icebreaker questions and I found a good site that had a lot of different things and they had some different things I wasn't expecting for icebreaker questions. So today's question, we're gonna start with Tim. The zombie apocalypse is coming. Who are three people you want on your team? I'm gonna say this could be any three people. Like, can I can I include fictional people? Uh, sure. Why not? You'll need to come back to me in two months. <laughs> no, you, you don't get to analyze it. It's oh. just... Gold balls from the X-Men. All right, I like it. Um, and then, I mean, that's all I really need. I guess. <laughs> well, you get two more, but what people maybe you want to spend time with oh. during this? Can they be dead? Sure. Do they... Do I have to spend time with them dead, or can they be alive? No, they, they'd be alive. Teddy, like in this. Teddy Roosevelt. I love Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's an interesting answer. I like it. I guess my wife. <laughs> 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 All right. Cool. Be so Gold Balls, Teddy Roosevelt, and... Mrs. France. Wait, no, I completely nope. Change all that. Uh, my wife, um, <laughs> Olivia Munn, and <laughs> all right, Aubrey Plaza. Nice. You need yeah. somebody with that deadpan humor. Right, right. I yeah. need someone that's gonna not laugh but s- s- smile slyly at my jokes. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know to, how to deal with that total about face that you did for right. the three people. Very different. I mean, Gold Balls and Aubrey Plaza are pretty much the same person. Um, they both can generate large uh, mutant eggs that are made that look golden from their torso and fire them at people. And neither one has really other any other personality traits besides that one. So, yeah. <laughs> solid. All right, you had a minute to think about it. Well, who are your three people to help that are on your team during the zombie apocalypse, Danny? Hmm. I mean. Olivia Munn's a great choice. Yeah, <laughs> I am a big fan. Get that girl a swimming pool size pie. <laughs> and a French made outfit. And a French made outfit. <laughs> she just jumps right in. Three people for the zombie apocalypse. All right. I'm going to go with Hawkeye from the Avengers. Can I do that? Interesting. Yeah. I'm thinking strategy here. No, I, I just. Not one I would have He can shoot all the zombies. And then I don't have to worry about it. He's got like three arrows. <laughs> like, yeah. he can shoot three zombies. That's true. <laughs> Wait, okay, scratch him. Who's really good with a gun? Bucky. Bucky. No, I'm not taking Bucky. <laughs> she has an irrational hatred oh of Bucky God. from it's the Marvel not, films. It's not irrational. It's completely rational. And it's not just Bucky. 
I'm not going to get into it. Rocket Raccoon? I would take Rocket. Okay, I want Rocket and Groot. No, can they, do they count as separate or are they one because they come together? Yeah. Definitely separate. They are two different entities. Rocket rides on Groot. Yeah, but it's still two different people. All right, I'll still, I'll take them. Is his own person. I'll take them both. Looks like a tree. I want Rocket and Groot. And Olivia Munn. And Star Lord. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so most of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'll just take part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. I think the really increases your chances of survival a yeah. lot. Way way more than Tim's. True. <laughs> I mean, Tim's just really going to enjoy the I don't time. need to survive long. <laughs> <laughs> he going to die happy. Who would you take, Dan? So my first thought was Danny Trejo. Okay. Mm. Mostly, hopefully, that he can channel Machete. Machete don't text. So I feel like let's keep in that vein and go with Michelle Rodriguez as well. Okay. Because she's a badass. And then, how about Natalie Portman? I mean, why not? <laughs> Just Natalie Portman, or Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, or Natalie Portman no, as... No, like Natalie Portman rap Natalie Portman. Yes! Okay, yeah, take her. Yeah. She's awesome. And then I can just like be like, hey, there's zombies, keep me alive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, like, and then she'll here. just shove her shoe down their throat. Yeah. I don't remember a lot of the actual lines, but that sounds good. I have a student. She's not a current student, but she's a graduating senior, and her name is Natalie, and I had her back in ninth grade, and then she's, you know, been out and about in the school for the last four years, and every time I see her, and I go to say hi, and in my head, I think, damn, Natalie, you crazy bitch. <laughs> um, but, and then I'm just like, hey, Natalie. And someday I'll show her that video, but... Does she bust dude's mouth like gushers? She could. All right. She absolutely could. She's so awesome. She's joining, or she has joined the Marine Corps. All right. She ships out at yeah, the end so of probably. June. Wow. Yeah, so Yeah. Gotcha. She's, like, Most amazing. Um, I have an icebreaker question. Okay. We already did one. Right. Um, do you prefer uh, bubblegum, peppermint, or spearmint-flavored icebreakers, gum, and mints? I don't really know off the top of my head what the difference is between spearmint and spearmint. peppermint. So I don't know. Spearmint sweeter flavor. and green flavored. And peppermint <laughs> is red. No, that's cinnamon. That's the oh. worst flavor. Of gum? You're peppermint's normal. Peppermint blue. like candy cane. Yeah. Like peppermint candies are red and white. white striped. Yeah. Like pinwheels, I think they're called. Yeah. We have some up in the studio. Leftover from Christmas? From when your dad would leave candy out for the delivery guys. Oh, yeah. And then Lily would yell at people if other people ate it. No, that's for the UPS guy. Lily gets upset (laughs) when you eat that UPS candy. She's a social justice warrior. Candy's not for you. I mean, she's right. (laughs) That's my answer with bubblegum flavored. Yeah, he's not a big gum chewer. Yeah. No. But they have mints, too. If I'm looking at the shelf, I'm going to go with blue gum. Yeah, same. Over green gum. Yeah. I used to be solely green gum. I used to be only spearmint. Yeah. But as like, I got older, I switched to peppermint only. Because like if juicy fruit or like the zebra one were a choice, I would go with that. Oh, Why yeah. would you want to chew fruit, the zebra? Fruit stripe gum, the fruit greatest stripe, three it. seconds of your life. Yeah, it tastes Seriously. really good for a, about four chews, and that, then you spit it out. That gum is the seltzer of gums. <laughs> yeah, that's super good. seltzer, you, did, you have the taste the entire can. Yeah, but it's just like the burp of the taste. <laughs> it's not the actual. So we took flavor. a bite of watermelon and burped into your glass. Right. Yeah. Watermelon seltzer. Yep. This. Which is funny because I drink seltzers every day and I love them. But this seltzer was on a truck with some lemons. <laughs> 
the commercials for Fruit Stripe gum were super legit. They though. were the best. Yes. They certainly oh, yeah. made it seem like it was a lot better than it was. Yeah, yes. I know it was really good. It just didn't last long at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Do we want to recap chapter nine? Well, there was know. a big fight. With the Renrex. The Renrex attack. Yeah. 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 And Cass got her arm kind of... Her arm got messed up. Yeah. We know the there's a bunch of marauders heading towards the road the caravan is on. Oh, there the were foot massages, too. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Yep. And the Wanderer was in hot pursuit of the Marauders. Yeah. Cut down a few, and we saw that he has some cool powers. Because of the way his sword is, um, is, when he is in pursuit, is he ever not in hot pursuit? The sword isn't always flaming. He makes it flaming. Gotcha. So the answer is no. Yeah, he's, he's, not he's in hot pursuit when he, when he chooses to be. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. So why don't we jump on into chapter 10? Let's do it. Cool. Chapter 10, Ruins. The aftermath of the Renrek attack was difficult for everyone. While Laney got away with minor scrapes and bruises, others weren't so lucky. Besides the man Laney saw Eaton, who turned out to be Manx, three others were killed in the initial assault. Cass had a deep laceration on her arm, and a few others had injuries that would briefly debilitate them. Dasta kept busy helping those in need and continuing to move cargo to usable carts. While at work, Dasta's brow was constantly furrowed. Any changes in plans or the tiniest setback would lead to raging. Dasta shouted that day more than any other before. There was a change in him. Cast hoped it was only temporary. Lainey also had no trouble keeping busy. She helped move goods from one cart to another. The Renrek attack killed half of the Jore, so half of the carts were rendered useless. While most of the people were busy with tasks similar to Lanny's, Brutus and Dart were in charge of moving carts without jewelries to pull them. Between the two of them, they were able to get unladen carts off the road with relative ease, breaking the ones that couldn't be moved for the trees. Some of the tinder was kept for firewood later in the journey. They still had days to go. The van made no progress getting closer to Frank that day. The group got ready for the night somberly. The survivors held a small service and burial for the four that did not make it through the day. Dinner was a simple roasted meat and yellow potatoes, which was good, but lacked the excitement of the other meals for Lanny due to the events of the day. Group ate in virtual silence, and after Lanny took her turn at washing off the plates and bowls, she said goodnight to Brutus and headed to her tent for badly needed sleep. One of the other travelers, a boy around Lanny's age named Griffin, had to instruct Lanny on what to do to clean, and Lanny had mused on her constant learning out here. In Gaul, any dishes created by eating their nutrient sludge were discarded into a simple hole in the counter of the kitchen. Lanny had no idea what happened to them after that, but here on the road, all the dishes were cleaned and reused. Griffin showed Lanny how to scrub the plates and bowls clean with a rag in water mixed with a strange thick liquid he called turgent. After the scrubbing, they were rinsed with fresh water and stacked neatly in their cases to be used again at the next meal. Lanny found it quite rewarding to be helping out, even if Griffin had to take most of her dishes out and clean them better. Lanny found Cass standing outside her tent, wearing her sleeping shift with an extra wide grin on her face. Her good arm was hidden behind her back, the other held against her chest in a sling, bandaged. What are you so smiley about? Lainey was slightly irritated. Her hands were pruny and felt strange from the turgent. Oh, I've managed to find some good in all that's happened today. From behind her back, she pulled out a small pair of traveling boots. Lainey immediately noticed the quality. Soft leather, laces, solid soles. Lainey rushed forwards and gave Cass a tight hug and then snatched up the offered boots. Cass hid the pain in her arm well and continued smiling. Lainey turned them over in her hands, slightly shocked with her good fortune. Then she noticed the blood. On the back heel of one of the boots was blood spatter, bright red on the brown boot. 
Uh, where did you get these? Lainey slowly looked up at Cass's face. The girl was no longer showing her teeth with a smile. The dark shadows of the night made her face melt into the darkness. Lainey could only see her eyes. Before the burial, I noticed Gerda had feet the same size as yours. She can't use them anymore, and you can benefit from them. Please don't make this weird or something. We're all sharing what we can from those that weren't as lucky as us. Lainey didn't say anything for a few minutes. She stared at the boots. At the blood. Earlier today, these boots had belonged to... No, were worn by Gerda. Lainey hadn't even got to know the woman. Didn't even know she existed. And now she was practically stealing her boots. Lainey looked up into Cass's eyes. Thank you. She dropped the boots and launched into another tight hug. Cass hugged her back with her one good arm. I mean it. You've been nothing but nice to me since we met. I can't believe we were lucky enough to meet you when we did. I kind of know what you mean. It's so nice to have a real friend on the road. Lainey stepped back out of the hug, a single tear running down her face. What about Nash and the rest? They're my da's friends, not mine. They're kind of like weird uncles and an aunt. I don't know if I've had someone like you to spend time with before. Like me? Well, someone I can connect with. Like you said, we were lucky we met when we did. Cass looked away towards the remaining people around the fire. Well, good night. We all need a lot of rest after today. Yeah, we do. I'm beat. Good night, Cass. The two young women stood awkwardly for a moment before Cass punched Lanny in the arm and practically skipped away towards her tent. Lanny smiled and rubbed her arm and crawled into her tent. The wanderer fell back against the tree. The last group of marauders were stronger than the others he had fought. They were more skilled, more savage. The wanderer looked at his arm. A deep cut ran along his left shoulder. Nothing major, but it could be a problem if it became infected. The old man judged his time and energy levels. He knew the bots had gotten quite the lead on him after his scuffle. He would have to rest. He would have to rest longer if he healed himself. The bots would get far ahead of him. He would not beat them to the road. He might not even make it to help. The wanderer closed his eyes and felt the heat inside him. He called upon an ancient power held deep. Sitting against the trunk of an old tree, the man held his closed fists in front of him and they began to glow a deep red. He put his hands together, palm to palm, and they glowed hotter, a bright orange, then yellow. He pulled his hands apart, and a bright flame flickered between them. He cupped the flame in his right hand and moved it over his wound. He pressed the flame into his arm, grimacing in pain. His flesh seared and smoked, but when he took his hand away, his arm was only red. The wound healed. His hands faded back to their wrinkled and tanned state, and he dropped them to his lap to rest on his blade. Thank you, Shancho. The wanderer leaned his head back against the tree and smiled and slept. The next day, the caravan moved along morosely. The group hardly talked, even though they were all much closer than they had been the first two days. The watch that night had been doubled, and Brutus was not included, but the darkness passed without incident. Some were saying the death of the Renrex would keep away other predators for some time. Lanny and Brutus continued on their usual spot, but Brutus barely spoke, internalizing everything that had happened. The day passed uneventfully, and they camped for the night again. After dinner, Cass asked Lanny if she wanted to talk some more in her tent. Lainey said yes, mostly because she had hardly spoken the entire day. I need to tell you something, Cass said as soon as the two were in the tent and Lainey had lit the candle. Okay, go for it. You're not going to like it, but you need to know. Cass looked directly into Lainey's eyes. Lainey didn't waver. Okay, so here's the thing. Da is really mad, probably as mad as I've ever seen him. At Brutus? I think so. I can't get him to talk to me about what happened. All I know is that he keeps saying, we're going to dump them before we get to Frank. I don't totally know what that means, but I'm pretty sure he's talking about you two. 
Lainey looked down at her hands in her lap. She knew Brutus had really screwed up, but she had no idea it was this bad. I guess we'll just be on our toes then. I don't know what else to do. I don't know my way around here. Brutus might have some idea, but he's been in the city a long time. I can get you a map. At least I can help that way. I'll mark where we are right now and where Frank and John are, and you should be able to find your way with that. Thanks a lot. Again, I can't say enough how much I appreciate how you're always trying to help. I'll do what I can. Da would be crazy to get rid of you two, even after what happened. I don't know. We did really mess up. Ack. Cass waved her hands as if to throw away Lainey's idea. Da was foolish to put either of you on guard duty in the first few days. You should have known how tired you'd both be. Cass stood up, straightened her shift, and moved towards the tent flap. I'll see what I can do to talk him out of it, but I'll get you that map too, just in case. Cass flashed her bright smile and disappeared into the night. Lainey lay down in her bedroll, her body ready for sleep, but her mind was racing. What would we do if we were left? We could follow the van, probably, but who knows what Dasta would do. What about food? I don't know how to hunt. How would we survive out here? This could be really bad. Lainey fell into a fitful sleep, her dreams full of the worst possible scenarios. We are nearly there, one of the marauders announced in the late evening. Calculations say the road is 18.6 kilometers south of our present location. Affirmative. We will continue on our current path and should intercept the road within three hours. Blood should come shortly after. The next day carried on much like the last. Quiet, plodding along mile after mile. The only real difference was that the forest opened up by midday the van had exited the heavily wooded area to enter hilly grasslands. The landscape was literally and figuratively a breath of fresh air. Lainey felt the weight of the dark woods release from her shoulders once she could see the sky and clouds again. The land rolled away in front of them for miles, but in the far distance something stuck out on the horizon. Frank, was all Brutus said once he saw it, a dark patch ahead of them. Lainey couldn't guess how far. She had no idea how big Frank was. It was anywhere near the size of Gaul, they could still be dozens of leagues away. The van continued on until they reached an overgrown cluster of stone ruins. The remains of the buildings were covered in mosses and various other plants. The gray stone of the ancient building stood out on the grasslands. The ruins were laid out haphazardly, with huge pillars and multiple-storied remains oriented every which way. The van stopped in a large open area surrounded by parts of buildings. Lanny thought it must have been the market square to the town this once was. Lainey was very curious of their location until she saw just beyond the silhouettes was a rushing river. She'd never seen a river before and was captivated by the sight of the water in the evening light. The rushing water reflected the orange of the sky, the low sun glinting off the moving liquid. Her gaze followed the flowing water, then her feet. She left the van moving south towards a strange, constant sound. She thought it sounded like the roar of a great beast, but it didn't stop. The creature never took a breath to continue. The roar just went on and on. Lainey glanced back at the ruins, a few hundred meters behind her now. She wondered if she should alert the van. She shook her head and decided to investigate it on her own, her natural curiosity winning out over caution, as usual. She crouched down in the tall grass and drew her tanto, ready to take on anything. She thought it could be an extremely large red wreck, but the fact that the sound was continuous confused her. Lainey waited and listened for long minutes. Her legs began to cramp in protest, and she realized she needed to move. She advanced stealthily towards forward another dozen meters but stopped when her boot slid along the ground, pebbles falling away where the earth below her suddenly dropped off to nothing. Lainey caught herself before she tumbled down the cliff. She saw the land terminated in a pile of huge rocks and sparse trees 50 meters below. 
Lainey was dumbstruck by the change in the ground. The sound she had heard was no great beast crying out an endless roar, but the crashing of the river below. She stood up and sheathed her dagger, not a little embarrassed of her ignorance. Like the waterfall? Cass startled Lanny, and she drew her tonto again, swirling around and baring her teeth, always ready to fight. Whoa. Cass stepped back and held up her hands. A bit jumpy? Lanny immediately relaxed and put the blade away again. Sorry, I didn't know what the noise was. Thought it might be a big monster or something. So you came over yonder by yourself? Brutus was starting to panic. You've been gone a while. I just wanted to see what it was. I can handle myself. I know you can, but you don't know what's out there. Hell, I don't even know what it is, and I've been out here my whole life. You've been outside the city for less than a week. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes I forget I'm not in Gaul anymore. There I felt like I could go wherever I wanted and be fine. I knew that place so well. Just try not to wander off. Cass said as she put a hand on Lainey's shoulder to lead her back to the camp. And even though you're good with that knife, it won't do much good for most things out here. We don't need to find you at the bottom of a cliff. I didn't even know the ground could do that. A cliff is where the ground falls away like that? Yeah, so when the river flows over, it's a waterfall. Beautiful, but obviously dangerous. Let experienced people fetch water today. Cass ended her mini-lecture with a wink, and Lanny smiled. The two headed back. Lanny watched the river, spying large fish swimming against the current. She felt something touch the back of her gloved hand, and before she knew it, she was holding hands with Cass as they walked. Her hand was warm and helped Lanny feel better about where she was and what she was doing. She realized then that she needed more help than she had thought. She couldn't go chasing every strange sound she hadn't experienced before, assuming it was a monster. She decided she would talk to Dasta tonight, see what she could do to convince him to let her and Brutus stay. Finding their way to Frank would be easy now, but surviving along the way? That was another matter. Surviving the night, that might be difficult too. Cass and Lainey looked at each other and wordlessly broke into a run. Screams came from the camp. Something was on fire. Bright lights flickered among the ruins. The darkening sky made it hard to tell what was happening, but the two ran and drew their blades. Cass's shield was still slung across her back, useless until her arm healed. But her sword was designed to be used one-handed anyway, so Cass felt confident. There was a strange sound coming from the camp between shouts and screams. A sound similar to the noise of the two just made drawing their weapons. The sound repeated over and over. It was accompanied by strange voices that sounded somehow not real. Lanny didn't know what to make of it, not until the two heard someone shout. Bots! Oh no, not rotters. Please don't be rotters. They rounded a massive stone plinth and saw chaos. The huge robots snatched people up and broke their bones or swept them off their feet with arm blades. Brutus fended one off, a small family behind him. The bot was easily head and shoulders taller than Brutus, but the minotaur was heftier and skilled with the shock baton. Weapons seemed to work well against the robots. Each hit stunned an area of their body and allowed Brutus to take down the machines in moments. Not all were as lucky. The robots strewn about, the rotters had worked it fast. A handful of the machines were bent over prone forms. Lanny had no idea why. The van protectors were all fighting as hard as they could. Brutus moved to help Nash before he was impaled by an arm blade. Lanny saw two robots corner Dasta, who was doing everything he could to keep them at bay with his curved longsword. Cass ran to help him, and Lanny followed. She glanced down at her tanto. Cass was right. How was she going to fight with this? The answer presented itself immediately. Lanny had to stop short and bring the tanto up to deflect the swing of the robot that she hadn't seen while she would look down. The massive pile of metal scraps rebuffed her with another arm, knocking her to her feet. She fell on the hard-packed ground, and the air was knocked out of her. The bot straddled her and lowered its face down to hers. The metal stunk of oil and rust. The thing was covered in corrosion and dripped grease onto Lanny's face. Your blood smells good. The thing rasped at her. 
She didn't know where the voice came from. There was no obvious mouth on its face. There wasn't much of a face at all. The marauders were gaunt things, like shards of metal stuck together, made to work by some kind of magic. Their faces were akin to helms of old, with malevolent glowing red eyes set deep into the darkness of the helm's slit. The bottom half of the face where the mouth should have been split apart from chin to eyes, revealing a glowing red abyss within the marauder. Laney felt the bot slice her forehead with a long, sharp finger. The blood that seeped out of the cup began to float towards the opening on the bot's face. I like to feel the blood pulse as I drink, the bot said and cupped Laney's head in his huge bladed hand. Laney tried to slice at its head with her tanto, but the marauder had both her arms pinned with its taloned feet. The thing was impossibly heavy and strong. Laney could do nothing. She closed her eyes tight and gritted her teeth. She thrashed her head around, but the grip of the marauder was too strong and she accomplished nothing. Laney's blood floated in droplets to the open face of the marauder, and Laney had no way to stop it. So I finally answered your question, Tim, about how they got blood. Yeah, so I bet you're feeling pretty stupid now that you didn't keep Jork alive when obviously <laughs> Lanny's dead and she, her name's in the title. Right? So the subtitle really should be uh, Lanny, Girl Without Fear, for a while, and then we go back to Jork. <laughs> well, I mean, she's not dead yet, right? Oh, fair. True, but like, are you going to leave it like, we don't know for sure that Jork was dead. So are you going to leave us on that cliffhanger now, too? Yeah, the next chapter just chapter starts set, up and uh, we never go back. <laughs> <laughs> you got to listen to chapter 11 to find out what happens next. I have a theory. I'd like to hear it. I think the Marauders are Lanny's World's version of a very aggressive Red Cross blood donation <laughs> system. <laughs> You're all positive. <laughs> probably, yeah, they probably hunt people down specifically on blood type based on what their needs are. All right. And they like to feel the pulse as they drink the blood. Right. I mean, that's a Mm. prediction. Well, and he likes to feel the pulse because that means they're still alive. (laughs) Right. So he can take as much as he needs Mm -hmm. and then make sure they're okay, gives them some orange juice and a cookie, and then they move on. That might happen in chapter 11. Pretty certain that that's the case. That part of donating blood never made sense to me. Like, why do they give you juice and Oreos? Like, I do not want orange juice with my Oreos. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, orange juice is really good with, like, a bagel and cream cheese, but not chocolatey stuff. But Red Cross isn't giving out. I I don't like orange juice anywhere near any dairy. And I put cream cheese right in that, right in that zone. I don't know what it is, a bagel and cream cheese. If I don't have a glass of orange juice, it just doesn't seem complete. That's fair. And then, like, hmm. to me, those flavors go together really, really well. I think that's, like, a from your growing up yeah. thing. It must, you know? it Because your be. mom always has orange juice. True. And not even cream cheese, but Neufchatel. Neufchatel. But not if it's, like, strawberry cream cheese. That just goes by itself on a bagel. I can't eat um, waffles with butter and syrup normally. Um, because when I grew up, uh, the lady that would always make me breakfast would put butter and peanut butter on them and then we'd fold them in half and dip them in chocolate milk and they were really really stupid good and and pretty much any other waffle won't compare to it yeah so i just don't like them oh i saw this tweet the other day that was a series of images and it was like tight caption like if you don't dip your pizza in milk then we can't be friends and it was a picture of pizza like pepperoni pizza slices dipped in milk and it was like so who is like this it. monster I don't like it at that all that sounds awful like, like no it's fine I don't want to be friends with you you weirdo yeah like same. no here's my my thought on that the person that posted that enjoys pineapple on pizza and they're trying to make a straw man 
more evil person oh. okay. to draw ire away from mm. them. Okay. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, we don't have to debate pineapple on pizza anymore, which is an abomination. So let's right. make something to make people talk about. It's the right. Azamendius. Uh, you know, we'll make a fake threat <laughs> so that everyone can come together against it. Yes. Spoiler alert. Dr. Manhattan's not real. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't even going to mention what that was from, but okay. Oh, fair. It's from the the watch guys. <laughs> Those that watch and things. The yeah. peering people. What do they do with the blood, though? What do they do with the blood? Yeah. It looks like it's going to go into its face. Right. Is that just, are they done at that point? Like, they're all set. My face is filled with blood. I can go back to the Roomba charge station or whatever. <laughs> well, um, the the blog post I had about the Marauders talks about how they have a little, like, diamond on their forehead that, like, basically shows how much blood they have, how sated they are. So the more full it is, the more sated they are, and they it lowers over time. So blood is their fuel source? Pretty much. Gotcha. They need it. I don't want to go into too much detail because more is revealed later. So really, so really, what it sounds like is this for their survival. They're doing this. So this is just nature taking its course. I mean, if robots are a part of nature, then yeah. Well, you think of them like a predator that yeah. hunts in packs. Yeah. Similar to what they uh, the caravan just encountered days before. And needs blood to survive. That makes sense. Yeah. So they're just another, you know, antibody of the world. <laughs> It still always really strikes me how I feel like ignorant is a, has such a negative connotation, but really like how ignorant of everything Lanny is. Like, you don't know what a waterfall is, but like, why why would she? Right. I'm sure that's nothing that they would teach about in school mm -hmm. because it doesn't pertain to their like technolo technologically driven world. So Even if she'd like, like seen pictures of it, you don't know what a waterfall sounds like until you see it. Or until you experience right. it and hear it yourself. I think it's so funny that if she thought it was like a monster. So she was like crouching right. down and she's like, wow, this thing's taking a really big breath. Right. <laughs> I just thought that that scene was so, just sums up Lanny so well that like she's like, what is it? I'm going to go find out by myself. Yeah. I don't need anybody. I'm so confident. Right. That overconfidence that goes along with her lack of fear. So is Dasta actually going to like fire them? Sounds like it. I mean, people died because of Brutus. Right. It was kind of a big deal. Like, he fell asleep on watch, and uh, they lost half the Jorays, and four people were killed. I mean, it's a huge inconvenience, and they lost a day of travel because they had to reconfigure all the carts and stuff. Right. Like, that's, that's huge. But at the same time, Cass has a really good point. Like, you shouldn't put two new people on watch during the first few days. That was certainly a mistake on Das's part. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe, but he was also paying them significantly more. He was super impressed by them. He maybe he thought they could handle it. Right. Right. And I'm sure he'd heard tales of the the like epic endurance of minotaurs. Right. Being big primal people. And if you're paying them more than what you would normally pay, then you expect them to stay awake during a watch. And it it wasn't totally Dasta's fault because Lainey was also scheduled for the watch, but mm -hmm. Brutus took her spot. He was like, right. "No, you're clearly way more tired than I am." Because of his enhanced endurance, right. being a bold person. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's totally on Brutus for, for taking on more than he needed to. But it's on Lanny for being a dumb little girl. For letting him. At yeah. the same time, it's her mentor and 
And she was tired. Yeah, she was too she tired was to even tired. argue. And, yeah. you know, we talked about last time about walking that long mm-hmm. for two days straight. She was completely exhausted. So even though she is in good shape, it's still, it's so different than like running drills with a minotaur. As opposed to like walking that far, it's such an endurance type thing instead of like short sprints. Right, and so. it works your body so much more differently that she was just wiped out, as yeah. we saw. So Brutus taking over her spot is totally in in character for Brutus. It's what he does. Right. But, yeah, he kind of, he he jorked up. Yeah, he did. He done he jorked, jorked up real up. bad. They're going to have to cut off his uh, beef spine now or whatever. One of his horns? <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. His be- big sweeping horns? Yeah. Because I he... Uh, Look, there's a blog post about Brutus, too, if you scroll back, scroll down the blog page on the website, but he's got horns like a Texas Longhorn. Oh, gotcha. Like the football team? The Texas Longhorns? You think, you know, their logo? Yeah. I mean, based off the the animal, the Longhorn. Do you think you could, (laughs) if you were on his back, say, if Lenny was on his back, do you think that you could steer him with them? Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, she did in Chapter 6. Yeah. (laughs) That was, was a good job, Heifer. I don't know any heifer quotes, but... Well, that's what he always says. I'm a steer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's a big thing that they'll have to deal with in the near future, depending on how this attack goes. I mean, they've got to survive this attack first. It seems pretty intense. Yeah, it's pretty bad. We've seen people have already died from this. Mm-hmm. Well, and think about how much better they would be if Manx was still here. Who knows what he could have done. He Right. They say uh, he was noted as being armed and armored before. Right. So, I mean... He probably done had an S-word. Yeah. Maybe multiple S-words. He could have. So many S-words. But yeah, so chapter 11, we're going to have to see how they recover from this. What happens? Uh, obviously, this fight isn't over. Yeah. yeah. Hope not. Right in Otherwise, the middle of things. We are in the middle now. Soliani can't die. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Move. Now it's congratulations. Yeah. We've got, made it. We've done half halfway there. We're living out of prayer. Take my hand. Uh, we'll make it. I swear. Unless you're Jork or Lanny. <laughs> or Manx. Or Manx. Or those other four. What was or it? Gerda. Gerda. <laughs> oh, Gerda. We never even saw Gerda. Oh, R.I.P. Gerda. Yeah, so as I Gerda you had these boots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just going to roll on from that one. <laughs> uh, so if you're enjoying uh, Big Fiction Energy, check out... The other podcast by the Professional Casual Network. Uh, if you like what we're doing here, you, I think you'll enjoy the Grim Podcast of Perilous Adventure, in which we play Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, actual play of that game, which is fantastic and super fun. And with really bad German accents. Oh, yeah. And some people are like Austrian or Ukrainian. It's all over the place. And Alex P. Nelson. Alexander P. Nelson. I just love saying his Can't name. Forget I don't get it. Well, yeah, that's why I introduced him like that. Yeah. <laughs> that P just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> hmm. Not since college. That, that sounded awful. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Alex. <laughs> We've also got The Space Between Presents. I saw a tiger, which is our first season where Dan, Tim, Sarah, and I deep dive into the world of Netflix's hit show, Tiger King, talking about all things Joe Exotic. We just wrapped up that season, which is bittersweet in a way. I can't believe we have some time to our lives without talking about Joe or Jeff or 
Carol Baskin. I don't know if I'm going to be able to move forward not talking about how much I really like John Ranke. Like, I know. On a weekly basis. I know. Well, I He's mean, you managed to fit it in here, so that's right. one, one week down. Just wait till we get the t-shirts made, and then it'll seem okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. We've also got The Space Between, which Dan and Tim did an episode where they reviewed Final Fantasy VII, the remake, which was great. And I got to watch Dan play a lot of that game, so that makes me happy that you guys got to talk about that. We'll be covering the run of the New Mutants from 1983 in preparation for the movie that's coming out in August. So check us out there and follow along. Cross your fingers that it does actually come out in August because (laughs) it's only been delayed like 17 times. Right. Though, since I believe 2017. Every trailer that comes out makes it look better than it did before. Like, I I hope anyway that the the delays have uh, improved. Right. What the what the movie's going to be. Well, we're going to talk all about it on the show. Yeah. I can't wait. After we talk about the first 20 issues of the series. I'm yeah. very excited. We also have um, Elite Eight Showdown with Big Chuck, which uh, every week he takes a theme, which could be anything from your favorite Nintendo 64 cult classic game to the most redeemable Tiger King character and puts them in an eight-team bracket and battles them against each other with sometimes some guest hosts and figures out who comes out on top. We also have professionally asked, casually answered, an advice show for people that need help. It's uh, specifically made for our viewers and our followers, so feel free to shoot us a line, shoot us a message if there's anything that's on your mind, anything you want to talk about, or anything you want really poor advice for. But that one is completely for you guys and by you guys. So by all means, feel free to reach out and we will lend you a hand. And Danny will try to get you to drug your family. Maybe. It's never a bad idea. Just little naps do it responsibly yeah as always follow us on the patreon patreon.com slash professional casual where you can find weekly blogs sarah's doodles all sorts of extra updates and behind the scenes and bonus episodes um, as well as professionalcasual.com where you can find the latest episode of all of our shows um, as well as where you can find everything else about us bios and and cool stuff and all of our links to our social media you know other cool Cool things. It's really a treasure trove yeah. of a website. It's a one-stop it's shop yeah. of, of everything that you could want that's uh, you know professional and casual. All right, so big thanks to our friends at Randy's Donuts down in Inglewood. And, you know, say hey to Tony for us. All right, so rock on Springfield, Ontario. Rock over Sydney. America runs on pumpkins. Special thanks to our sponsor, Bearded Dragon Games in Oneana, New York, who has gifted us a Catacan Colonel model to give away to you, our fans. For your chance to win, follow us on Twitter at Top Tier Casual, The Professional Casual on Instagram, or follow the Professional Casual Network on Facebook. You can get an extra entry for each, as well as extra entries for being a background Patreon or leaving a review for any or all of the Professional Casual Network shows on Apple Podcasts. That's up to six additional entries for leaving reviews on each. Also, please give the Bearded Dragon some love on Facebook at facebook.com slash bdcomics and beardeddragongames.com. We will be taking entries up to June 29th at 11.59 p.m. A winner will be drawn live on June 30th.